On this episode of MSP Weekly, presented by the Low Voltage Nation, we sit down with Willie Howe from Willie Howe Technology. We talk all things Unify, Synology, Grandstream, and many more. This is part one of our two-part conversation with Willie. If you would like to learn more about the Low Voltage Nation, please visit us at lvngold.com. And to join our community and join our Slack, please use the offer code TSCIT to save 30% on your membership. Now, on to our conversation with Willie. Speaking of the man of the hour. Hello, sir. Hello. Can everybody hear me? Uh, We can hear you. What's going on? Uh, I am living my best. uh, Which day is this? Uh, It is is Wednesday. (laughs) <laughs> that's uh quarantine 245 oh uh, man i hope you guys are hope everybody's doing well tonight we are living a dream how about you brother how are you i'm uh i'm excited to be here i want to thank you guys for inviting me on no problem we really appreciate you taking the time tonight yeah thank you for being here so it's uh it's definitely exciting times we live in it is. And, and I got to tell you, William, out of all the videos I've watched of yours, I think this is my favorite angle. I get to see the entire wardrobe in the background. This is nice. <laughs> are, you, are you also starting a laundromat? Yes. Yes. By the pound. So make sure you leave all your tools in your pockets. Got it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I don't know, man, 2020, it's, uh, it's uh, shaping up to be a heck of a year. So I don't, I don't know about you guys, but as far as consulting goes, I've never been this busy. Same here. Uh, Honestly, you know, COVID is obviously a a terrible, you know, pandemic that we're all kind of living through, but it's, it's, it's making my business way better. And, you know, I hate to say it like that, but it's, it's definitely made, you know, all of us on this call way busier than we've ever been. Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been ex- insanely, insanely busy, and my father's side business is doing surplus sales and used sales, and we just happened to stumble upon a thousand webcams, and those went like crazy on eBay, obviously. So we've been doing very, very good. Yeah, webcams. So back in back in February, so I I basically I don't live like a double life, but so like it and technology, that's what I do all the time. And I have a wife with a heart of gold because she puts up with it. Um, so I, I basically have two careers, one where I run an it department for a government organization. And then I have my consulting and, and YouTube business back in February. Um, in my leadership role, we started seeing supply chain problems, uh, back in early February. And we're talking like things like we try to order cash drawers for point of sale systems. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're, you're not going to get those until like May. And we're like, what? You know, and it was unlike anything we'd ever seen. And the, the week before here in Illinois that the government, the governor sent us all home. I was having a talk with some other other leaders and I said, look, no matter what you believe in, because, you know, the news when this all first started, you know, everybody's trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And uh, I said, no matter what you believe in, supply chain for for my vertical is disrupted and it's going to be a long, hard ride. And I remember going to uh, in early March when they started sending people home, going to Sam's Club and buying the last. I never thought, you know, that I would ever be at Sam's Club buying what laptops they had left and, you know, buying the extended warranties and then going to Best Buy. And trying to buy something on a PO when I've got an insurance company there paying cash. You know, it was the things that we've we've all had to do. Uh, there was so I mean, we just couldn't plan for some of this. You know. Oh, I know it's been crazy. I mean, thankfully we had a good amount of like used laptops still available, but we've blown through all of them. I mean, in April we probably went through 50, 60 laptops. It was insane and. We have one of our partner companies, probably one of the biggest recycling firms in New York, and they can't keep a Chromebook in the building anymore. The second they come in, they're gone. And I'll look at some of my MSP groups on Facebook, and there's schools at this point in time requesting like thousands of Chromebooks and expecting them in a week. 
Yeah. Like, you, not you, guys, you realize what's going on right now? You might have them next year at the, at the yeah. rate we're going. Yeah. And it's, it's weird. So, um, I will tell you, so like when the, when the, you know, the work from home order started coming through everybody. So we're kind of like, we're kind of like your IT department's IT department or your MSP's IT, IT department. Now, you know, we do, um, you know, consulting. I take on clients that are the single home user and I take on, you know, I've got a couple of fortune 500 companies that I do consulting with. So I do everything you know, from, from soup to nuts. And I mean, the amount of people that reached out when those, those work from home orders started coming out. Uh, I mean, March, April, and May were bananas. And we pulled out, believe it or not. So I, you know, we pulled out more ubiquity equipment and installed other vendors in those three months than we installed all of last year. So what, why, Why'd you guys do that? Was it so security was, or? Well, it was it was pretty weird, right? So you know the UDM Pro got announced, <laughs> yeah, and and everybody was <laughs> was all hot to get that in, right? And you would think, you know, that the VPN on a device with that processor and that memory and ten gig NICs would be awesome. And we were starting to see VPN failures at ten connected users. Um, and then there were there were like it was like a perfect storm for ubiquity between firmware problems and um so there's some things that i'm not going to be probably allowed to talk about because i do have ndas with them but um if i had to say one thing you know i don't understand their support model even even if somebody who um you know, if you go to my YouTube channel, you know, I'm one of the biggest cheerleaders that they've got. And I think they do some things. I, I used to think that they really did some things really well. And they've kind of like gotten into this area where I'm not sure what the direction is, who the target market is. Um, you know, they've got like one support guy, it seems now on the ubiquity community. And all he does is ask for log files. Um you know, and he used to be, you know, somebody on the, the community who answered a lot of questions and helped people out. Um, I can tell you from my own personal experience, when they tried to hire me, um, the person who tried to hire me offered me $50,000 with a straight face. So, you know, it was, it, it's an interesting time for them. And I will tell you the one thing that I believe that they were very good at in the beginning is they built a tribe, right? So we had all these products with all these promises and all these great things that could be, and then they've all fizzled out. They've not come to fruition. They've changed years. You know, they got enough money where they can throw spaghetti against the wall, see what sticks. Um, you know, and, and I will, you know, if Robert Perra were to call me on the phone tomorrow, I would tell him that I will never deploy the LED product. I will never deploy their phones and I will never deploy their access products. And I will never again deploy their, their camera systems. Um, and if he wants to ask me why it's because when I use those types of products, I have to be able to pick up the phone and call support. Um, you know, if for some reason, you know, the LED, you know, I can't have the lighting in my building not working properly. Right. And I can't, <laughs> I can't, rely on a community driven forum to give me that, that support. Um, you know, a lot of you deal with, you know, uh, I'm sure a lot of access control systems and alarms. Are you going to, are you going to leave life safety up to a company that you can't pick up the phone and call? Right. I mean, Marco's our big access guy. I mean, Marco, would you ever, ever, well, I mean, that? You know, I have a very tough spot for Ubiquity. I'm not going to bash them. not going to say I love them. But if that was an access control product, my customers would probably drive to my office and burn my building down because you can't have that type of support. It's got to be, I'm locked out. The doors aren't locking. Whatever the priority could be, it could be the smallest thing in the world. But if you can't fix that and you can't get a hold of support, that's an even bigger problem. So I totally oh, yeah. get what Willie's saying. And I mean, you know, it. and now you, if 
you got one guy <laughs> that just wants log files and is not getting anywhere with it. I mean, their support was tough to begin with, and I'll and I'll use that phrase lightly, <laughs> but right. you know it it you guys build a product and there has to be some level of assistance. You don't want to call it right. support, fine, call it assistance, but be there for right. it. You know, I, I I'm I with you, I'm with you 100, and I still will use their products where it makes sense. Um because I do believe there is some value there. I just wish that, you know, they're one of the few companies that will not release a roadmap. Um, and they do some, they do some funny things. So, you know, they were big into the solar game there for a little while. And then they started having high rates of failure with their equipment. They're no longer in the residential solar business, you know? And so you can't, you know, residential sol uh, solar, if you're going to get into that, you better be into it for 20 to 30 years because you know in the industry a 20-year warranty on a panel is pretty much standard so you know you there's a lot of things that go along with that now do i think that they should attach the word enterprise to the i i think when you use the word enterprise there are some expectations from those of us who have been in the field and in the trenches for a while and you know, one of the products that's sitting out there, you know, we can't talk too much about it because it's in beta, but it's, it's, you know, if you go out there and you look at what's in the beta, maybe it's, it's out now, but it's that leaf switch. And I'm not going to talk about the details or anything, but if I'm building out a data center where I've got to have 40 gig and hundred gig connectivity, that's a pretty serious data center. Right. And that I can't put a product in where if, the clients who are building 40 and 100 gig data centers, they can't, they usually can't be down, right? Or if they are down, you know, people can knock Cisco. I like to joke about Cisco, the price of Cisco and everything. But when I've been on the phone with Cisco, when I can't solve a problem, you know, there's an issue, right? But so, so when I escalate that to Cisco TAC and I'm on the phone for 15 hours and I cross time zones and countries, I mean, I'm, that's an enterprise level support. You know what I mean? And so it's, you have to be real careful with the word enterprise and, and how you throw that around, um, you know, and, and, you know, for, I would say that, that the Unify line is probably in the prosumer line, right? So, you know, network enthusiasts at home, small offices, um, and even small offices now are coming to us and they're saying, Look, we used to use this, but I need real intrusion detection. I need real intrusion prevention. I need real, real controls, you know, and, and something that's not beta that could get nixed next week. So we're going back, you know, to companies. Um, I will tell you, we have sold more. Now, I don't deal in the hardware. I refer people over to Protectly, and I've got more people, you know, going to uh, Protectly devices with OpenSense or PFSense then I've got people who are installing new Unify uh, USGs. Um, you know, we're still pushing the edge routers, but, you know, we're getting, hev you know, more heavy into the VoIP solution. So uh, Grandstream, the GWN 7000 is kind of our go-to router when we're looking at voice solutions. And, and it's really all about matching the, you know, the product with the customer's and need, but you know, back to the word enterprise. When we use that word enterprise, we better bring our A game. You know what I mean? Right, absolutely. And I mean, I I go back to it too. My stack is Meraki MX, and then Unify switching, and Wi-Fi. And it's for that exact same reason. I don't trust them in medical offices. I don't trust them in car dealerships. They don't have what I need. And I ran into a situation. What was it? Last week with the VPN with them, Meraki's are backordered everywhere. So I couldn't throw one in for a doctor's office. They needed an emergency. They're going to be taken over by hospital IT in four months. So I threw a USG in. Well, I found out you can't run two VPN connections on the same public IP on a USG. That was right. a fucking issue. And I start reading into it and they go, well, we fixed it on the edge series. We just haven't pushed it to unify yet. Why not? It's been going on for three years. Right. And for me, this is a huge issue. I mean, thankfully, this practice is smaller, but my bigger practice is I could have three or four or five providers at a hospital at one time. I need to right. have multiple connections out of that one public IP. And, I, and it's just right. it's stuff like that that I don't understand. It's not the hardest issue in the world to fix, 
and it's been going on for three years, and it's kind of a right. big issue. And and do you right. think it's maybe they just don't? I don't want to say they don't care, but is it just it's not that important to them? And they say, well, if somebody wants that level of VPN access or capabilities, they're going to go with a Meraki product or a PFSense. Do you think that's their mindset on it? Well, I think they directly compete with those products. And so I can't even speculate. With, I mean, if you're like me and you've been watching how the products come and go and, sure. and you know, like there's no there's no rhyme or reason and management is quiet. Right. So I don't, I will tell you that I do think that as far as their developers and stuff, I think that they stretch their people as far as they can. Um, so I think that's probably got a lot to do with it. Um, so, uh, you know, they, they tried to, you know, they, they tried to entice me to, to come, come over to work for them. And they had a, they had a support manager who hit all the YouTubers up. Um, and they got, uh, the YouTuber Ben Penn, um, and you know, he bid on the salary and, uh, it, it was, uh, you know, he's been there ever since and he's a nice guy and everything, but, uh, they, I, I honestly, I, and I can't, I can't speak to the, the culture because I don't know, you know, and, and I used to have engineers that I, you know, I was friends with and they've, they've let them go. And so now really my only contact, there's my media handler, you know, and he, um, you know, I gotta be careful what I tweet and stuff like that because um, I'm liable to get a, a message. You know, so uh, sometimes you'll see me uh, just be silent on an issue uh, because it's you know it's NDAs and and then you know they'll hit you up and say, hey, whoa, you should have talked to support first. And then you know it's so it's it's this whole thing. But you'll notice that you know we're pushing more and more products because I don't want to leave my customers in a lurch. You know what I mean? Like, and I keep telling people like. Ubiquity keeps telling you these things are coming soon. These things are coming soon. You cannot install a customer site on coming soon, right? We got to be able to provide solutions now. And I don't know. It is, it's a real tough spot for them because they were really good a few years ago building the community tribe. And when you, when, you know, when you start, um, when you start not valuing that tribe is, is, you know, people get, I mean, People are jumping ship left and right, and I, they're going to have to figure out how to contain the bleed. But, um, you know, voice is another product where I'll never, you know, any anytime the vendor tries to lock me into only using their stuff, uh, you know, in certain situations. Now, like life safety stuff with access control, I totally get that. Um, but things like VoIP, you know, um, the camera systems and things like that, it just doesn't make sense to me to get locked in where I get to use all the features uh, that I have to use their products. So um, for us, our go-to on voice is Grandstream. And uh, if you haven't checked it out, um, I recently uh, just in the last two weeks, won 125 handset install with high availability and 85 handset install with high availability and a uh, 15 handset, you know, small construction company. So um, we, you know, we do an ROI statement for people, and once they see that, it sells itself. So what made you land on Grandstream? I mean, me personally, I went from free PBX to them for about 10 years, and then when they had kind of that shatter between the original developer of free PBX and he went off to clearly IP, I now use 3CX and run it in the cloud. I've been very happy with it, but what made you land on Grandstream? So... First of all, before we get into that, I wanted to just let you guys know, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know, especially like Ray, I know you're the face of a lot of uh, uh, charity work and stuff like that. And I know you guys are all in on that. And I just uh, want to commend you guys for that. And I know you push that hard. And that was one thing I wanted to say at the beginning of this, but uh, it's very admirable what you, what you all do. And I wanted to say um, that I think that's great. And thank you. And one of these days when you can get into a spot where I can lend a hand, I'd love to do that. Awesome. That's thank awesome. So we appreciate that. That's, that's yes. great, man. Thank you for saying thank that. You. So, so, so back to Grandstream. So, um, you know, I used to do some subcontracting for another YouTuber and uh, he wanted me to get into the voice and stuff and kind of the model that I've built with my consulting business is if the customer wants to, to take the product once we've installed it and they want to run with it, 
and they want it, they want it to be theirs. I don't want to lock them into having to use me. And <clears throat> excuse me. So some of my end users are not, you know, their first job is not to be a technical, you know, guru that, you know, they run accounting businesses, they run construction businesses and stuff like that. So when I looked at the interface of free PBX, it's very difficult for, for people who don't know, you know, free PBX to, or not familiar with voice to get into the interface and really learn it, especially if you're not a technical person. If you look at the interface of a Grandstream UCM, it's almost intuitive. And um, I can literally take somebody that knows nothing about voice over IP. And once we set up a system, I can train them in two hours. And unless there's a, a huge problem, I usually don't hear back from them. Um, and so it's something for me, it's, it's a value add. If you look at all of the features that come with the Grandstream UCM, a lot of those things, you have to pay for modules uh, to make those things work on free PBX. And so it's just included. And if you buy from a, an actual reseller, um, then you get, you know, a, a three up to a five-year warranty on that hardware. So it's just a very attractive package. The UI is very, very pretty, very intuitive. Um, and there's a ton of people that support it. So, um, but you brought up kind of like that little rift um, in the um, free PBX community. So after Sangoma, you know, uh, bought uh, the company that, that had uh, free PBX and owned the rights to it, now that they own it, they made a couple tweets that kind of made us nervous because I do have a, a tech that subcontracts for me that's really good with free PBX. Um, we don't advertise it, but we will take those cases on when when they when they come about. But uh, so we actually started looking for an alternative, and we looked at 3CX to do some cloud hosting and things like that. But we've actually settled on using a Protectly appliance and loading Fusion PBX, which is based on FreeSwitch. And so a lot of our stuff is is on-prem based, and then we just use the cloud based, um, you know, the cloud based SIP providers. And our go-to is Telnex. So if you check them out, they're out of Chicago, but their pricing is, um, it's out of this world. So um, Grandstream for the ease of use. And then, like I said, we're developing kind of our own based on that Fusion PBX in case anything hinky would ever happen with the license for uh, for Asterisk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in the same boat of why I switched to 3CX2 was, because that UI and free PBX is so confusing, unless you know what you're doing and you're tech savvy, 3CX right. is a lot more user friendly. And I can kind of hand it to a person and say, here you go, have fun with it. So a good example is one of my best friends, she needs a new system. And right now she has an Allworks system. And with Allworks, every firmware update, the whole entire UI changes, layout changes, yeah. everything changes. And I showed her 3CX, she's like, this is the simplest thing that I've ever seen. This makes my life so much easier. And she's kind of technically minded. She's worked in radio for years as a technical director and doing ad work and all that. So she's good with technology and all that, good with the understanding. And she looked at it, she goes, yeah, I can administer this in two seconds. And I'm in the same boat as you. I don't want the customer to be tied to me. So the only thing that ties the customer to me with 3CX is the license. Your right. Google compute is on your credit card. Your SIP trunk is on your credit card. Everything's on your credit card. You own all the equipment. If I get hit by a bus or you want to leave me, no problem. You're good to go. Yep. And any other 3CX provider can hand you a license to renew your annual license. That That's simple and easy. I, I've always been, I don't want to tie you to me and only me. And that's always right. been my big thing. And uh, for my SIP trunk provider, I use SIPtrunk.com, which... I think back a few years ago, you were looking at you were looking at SIP USA, which is same company. At the end of the day, we but, should have an offline conversation about them. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I would love to because there's been a few things that have angered me with them, i.e., their unlimited uh, trunk. So the one that you pay for the minutes and you have unlimited channels. I learned right. at one of my medical offices that's not true um, <laughs> because. They had 371 hits for busy signals Wow! in one month. So I'm like, okay, this definitely is not unlimited. So we ended right. up switching them to 25 channels because 
we were also we had forty five thousand minutes, and we were hitting that at day twenty of the month. So I just had to switch them to twenty five unlimited channels and and call it a day. Same price, but I, I'm wondering now if I have more channels than I did with the unlimited trunk. So with yeah, that's a good question. With um, with Telnex, if you use what they call the flex trunk, uh, you get ten simultaneous call paths, and so you know if you if you've got to have more than that, you've got to just you know install more trunks. Now they do offer that single path with unlimited uh, minutes for uh, I think it's twelve dollars a month. So it's uh, it's it's pretty interesting. So we we were working on putting together like a web based. Uh, uh, like a rubric, you know, and um, we've got to revisit that because we've actually got some volunteers that want to help us maintain that. Um, but there's some pretty competitive companies out there. So um, like VoIP.ms, they're super competitive. Uh, and I have customers who um, don't use Telnex and use VoIP.ms because you can sign up with any email account. But like uh, Telnex, there's some sort of a weird thing with hotmail accounts or, or something. So it's, um, it's one of those weird things, but we've definitely looked at three CX signed up for the partner program. And, and, uh, the thought of that recurring revenue, you know, making money while you sleep, it's, right. it's, it's something that we're trying to figure out with the Grandstream solution and Grandstream's actually going to be providing some of the tools themselves. We're supposed to see an on, on-premise version of their uh, Grandstream device manager soon. Um, they announced it when we were at the partner conference last year uh, down in Mexico. And uh, I think COVID has kind of slowed a lot of things down. And I think that's one of them for Grandstream. But once that on-prem GDMS is, is available, uh, that for us then on the Grandstream side makes the MSP, you know, that, that model a little bit more plausible because right now you have to, I I'm very choosy about what I stick in the cloud and where I stick it. So, um, you know, all of my customers phones on the grand stream servers, some people are doing it and they're okay with it, but I, I want to have control of that server. So that's kind of what we're waiting for. And then because we push on prem so heavy for us, it's like, we've got like this tightrope that we're walking of, how much is too much to charge per handset and per PBX per month for that? And then what's not enough? Um, Because I'll tell you recently, you know, we've gotten into some PBX installs where we only charge, you know, like 1200 bucks to set up the whole PBX and come to find out it's not enough, you know? So it's, uh, it's one of those weird things. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I walk that tightrope every day and, I'm looking at other solutions too, just to see what else is out there. I had a car dealership of mine uh, go with Jive for their new phone system. And part of the reason they went with that was there's a company called Purple Cloud that does analytics integration for the car dealerships. Oh, gotcha. But but I really like Jive. I mean, they did it about two or three weeks before New York State said go home. And that was huge because they were able to send all their BDC people home and none of their customers were none the wiser. They were still answering calls like they were still in the dealership and everything was hunky-dory. And I mean, that was the big thing with all my customers went to 3CX was they could just go home, take their right. phone with them or use the app and bing, bang, boom, you're up and running. Right. Yeah. It, with the grand stream right now, that's a little bit, it's a little bit more involved. Um, we basically do open VPN from the handsets to the router. Yeah. Um, now, I, with Grandstream, I am allowed to talk about beta products as long as I preface it with it is beta. So one thing you're going to see from them is the 6300 series of UCM. I can't I can't tell you when it's going to be released. I can tell you as far as hardware, the only thing I've seen is the 6302. So the 6302 is a device that has two FXO and two FXS ports. Um, but with the 6300 series, they're going to be rele- releasing a thing called remote work. And basically, you're going to be able to use your app and you're not going to have to have the VPN. And it's going to provide video conferencing uh, with remote desktop sharing, uh, whiteboard capabilities, and, but then also the soft phone or the ability to, you know, use a, one of the newer desk phones and 
just have the seamless experience without necessarily having a VPN. So that stuff is coming, but in the in the mean, meantime, because we're not selling our solutions on what might be um, and what's got to pass beta. And I will tell you that we blast the products in beta, everything from security to okay, user that likes to push all the buttons that we tell you not to push them and see what happens, you know? So, um, yeah, I can't give you, can't even guess a timeline on that, but you know, we're still rolling out the open VPN. Um, and we just did two this week. So it's, it's pretty popular, but the, the, the you know, that those cloud-based solutions, you're hundred percent, right. They allow you to react quickly. Um, and so sometimes you just got to do it. Right. And, and you know, that's, that's a big thing for me too. You know, the guys know that I, I, pretty much run into media and then we white label it on the on the front end and i've been using them eight years and i know everyone likes to have control of their own equipment their own servers and kind of manage the entire structure but the system itself has been phenomenal i think in that time it's been down once and i'm not even kidding and <laughs> i'm i'm very very nervous with cloud systems because they can go down but yeah. their support is phenomenal like you're saying, Willie, you know, you can, I mean, I can have a 10 phone system, you know, 10 handset phone system up in 20 minutes and you can do soft phone, auto attendant, you know, the whole shebang, but it's, um, it's, it, it just, it's easy now, you know, the systems are very easy and they offer everything. And like I was telling the, the, the guys here, when COVID hit for us, we're based in Northern New Jersey. Um, and, when when the city shut down, all of our clients already had the system up and running. So all they had to do was get their app up and running, and it was like they never left. So for yep. that case, it was it was great, you know, without having to really add anything else to it. What are you finding? And this is something that we kind of struggle with. What are you finding the sweet spots um, for on prem versus hosted? So. We have some customers who just want a couple phones and we're like, well, maybe you should just do hosted and, you know, we'll point them in the right direction. But then we have some of those small customers, like my accountant uh, was very adamant that she had an on-site because I sell them and I didn't talk her into it. You know, it was very, she was very adamant that she had a, a PBX. Now, at what point do you look at a customer and say, look, this is going to cost you a lot, you know, in, in, in at $19.95 or whatever the going rate is per handset. What, where are you finding that sweet spot is where the on-prem really makes sense? Lately, I would say almost hundred percent of our customers are all cloud-based. You know, we show them kind of like what you do with the ROI. We show them it will, if it's a big cost for them up front, we'll do um, like a HAS model, you know, hardware as a service. And we'll just say, Hey, we'll charge you, you know, maybe five, $6 a handset and we'll, we'll make it work because we don't, we don't, want to lose a customer or the opportunity if we can make it work for them because in the long yeah. run that's really going to provide that customer with that really that feeling of hey they really care about us and they know right. that we're there for them so if it makes sense then we'll do it that way um and i think a lot of people but uh, similar to your point you know we have accountants that are like very old school i mean some that still use typewriters and they're like, <laughs> I want an old-fashioned phone sitting on my desk. I don't want anything in the cloud. And it's yeah. very hard to convince them. But sometimes at that point, it's like, what do you do? You know, we were a big Avaya Lucent provider for years. I mean, 30 years. And that's all gone away. So unless right. you're going back to like an NEC system, which is like, oh, God, <laughs> where are you going with it? It's it's very difficult to keep on-prem stuff really on-prem. Right. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, my big go ahead. Thing, yeah, my big thing too is it ends up being use case and where it's going. So, for example, I don't trust the cloud phone systems for medical. So, I still want an on prem system there that we know we can trust, we don't have to worry about. And, for example, we have a uh, medical client that we're about to put a Yastar system in because I know that that can sit there, that can be on prem. The only thing we have to worry about is the power going out, which we had to worry about anyway with their old digital system. But at least we can do failover if the trunk does go down, we can have it automatically go to the answering service. Whereas if anything happens with the cloud system, it makes things a lot more difficult for us. And it's just security, just that security blanket for me of having a system inside the business for medical just makes me feel better. 
Right. It doesn't really come down to cost. It's just that that security blanket of I have hardware that I can shake if I'm having an issue. Right. Well, and you know, there are some places, you know, especially medical. So um I did a Unify setup uh back in 2018 for a big uh podiatry group. And I was subcontracted to a company out of Texas that was kind of like handling it for them. And the requirements that they had was because of HIPAA and, and everything, they couldn't have shared servers. You know, they had uh, free PBX running high availability, but it had to be on their own hardware and their data centers. And, you know, Unify, we had to build out their own Unify controller because it couldn't be on a shared platform. And so it's kind of interesting when you see, you know, the, the Unify hosting companies that are out there, you know, when you ask the question about compliance, you get a mixed bag of answers, you know, and I deal with PCI compliance uh, a lot. And uh, my wife deals with HIPAA. And it's interesting to see how many people are just rolling the dice with that. <laughs> yeah, I, I do a lot of medical and it's, it's, it's sad and it's hilarious what I deal with. And it's not even just the small practices. It's also the hospitals. I mean, I have a practice that's owned by the hospital, but I still have to do some of their IT and just the stuff I'm dealing with is just hilarious. And just how clueless their IT department is. It's, it's scary. It's really scary. Yeah. Yeah. And Willie, so, so question for you in regards to HIPAA. So we, this comes up a lot in our groups of why we won't put a, a USG pro in, in any environment that we feel like it would break HIPAA compliance. Why do you feel that is and why, why would you back that up? So first I will tell you that the last version of the controller uh, stable release uh, will not pass uh, PCI compliance scans. And so usually if something in my experience won't pass PCI, there's, it's probably gonna be questionable on an exterior uh, facing uh, external IP if, if you're hosting it um, for medical. Um, they have some header problems with their their uh, uh, web server, and uh, it was reported on the community, and it basically got ignored. So uh, I had uh, several customers who have to be PCI compliant, have that controller in a data center. So what people, what people, you know, PCI is one of those things. I mean, all of us here, we know that compliance makes a lot of money, right? And some people comply and some people check boxes. And so, um, you know, some people will have the Unify controller on the same network stack as a box that's processing credit card payments or even on the same network where those are flowing. And so that actually puts it in scope. If it's in the same VLAN uh, running on the same stack, that's going to put it in scope. So it needs to be scanned and it needs to be secure. And uh, I've got several places where we had to uh, move the Unify controller and not make it public facing because it couldn't pass a PCI compliance scan because of the, the header problems. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, uh, there are some great people out there that have built some great platforms. But, you know, that shared server thing with HIPAA, it it's a thing that I don't even want to get into. Right. So. I have other people that I pass the HIPAA side on to because I don't want to get into that. PCI is about as crazy as I want to get. Yeah, I mean, it's not even just HIPAA. It's also this other monster called Meaningful Use that just gets even more complex, even bigger headache. And I mean, it's it tends to be a nightmare. And I'm, I'm in New York State and we're compliance out the wazoo. I mean, they slid a little compliance thing underneath the table for insurance agencies and body shops and all that. So if you have a body shop and a car dealership, you basically have to have bank level security now because you're doing <laughs> estimating for insurance companies. So yeah. my, my car dealerships, you, if you have 10 users or less, you don't really have to do anything, but my car dealerships are 60, 70, 80 people. So now we have to do, pen tests every year. We have to do all this different type of stuff just because one person is licensed with the Department of Financial Services to do estimating. Right. It, it, it's absolutely insane. I mean, the, the compliance standards up here, are they, they drive me nuts. And you're right. The amount of people just check a box and say, 
we're done is is crazy and sad and keeps me up at night <laughs> well and you know how many places do you go eat how many places do you get gas that still aren't uh emv you know chip and pin compliant with their credit card readers you know right 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 and, and the thing that i find crazy with that is i'm i'm half canadian most of my family's in niagara falls area or toronto and they've been on the chips for many many years and if you go to a restaurant you don't hand them your credit card they bring the terminal to you you put your card in you're doing it all in your hands so you know yep. that your card's not getting skimmed no matter what and i've never seen that here and i don't think we'll ever see it at any restaurants and it's insane yeah. i mean if you come to a facility where i have done the training you will see that that the staff is not allowed to handle credit cards that the uh that the pin pad is always presented to you i'm i'm a i'm a stickler about that um you know it's one thing I never want to be on the receiving end of is a data breach because I mean, it, it ruins your day. You know, first of all, you belong to visa at that point until they're done with their investigation. Um, and then your credibility is out the window. You know what I mean? There's just, it, it's not a good situation. Right. Right. And I mean, speaking of data breaches, do we even need to bring up Garmin and the giant egg on their face that's going on right now? I can't uh, believe that. I got to gotta say, I'm kind of shocked. I just can't believe that that nobody is is really coming out and saying, hey, look, man, this is what happened. We made a mistake. We're fixing it. It's just, it, it's ignore, ignore, ignore. And that's that's a PR nightmare in and of itself. Right. I, mean, I heard they paid the ransom. So somebody pinged me with some information and said that the way that they worded it, it makes it sound like they, they paid the ransom. I mean, they had to. The FAA was going to be up their butt at some point because nobody could download any airport maps or nothing. And <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's really surprising how tied in they are to just the GPS network. Like everybody uses it. You don't see a pilot using a TomTom on how to get around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's crazy how reliant we've become on that too, you know? Um, and if you Google some of the stories about the, the, the federal government doing tests in California where they turn GP off over certain GPS off over certain areas and like cell phones don't work, like the world like falls apart when those services don't work properly. Right. And I just don't understand how it took down their whole entire network. Like, why do you have VPN tunnels wide open to every single cloud server you have and every resource you have, I mean, you're a giant corporation. You think you'd have some type of segmentation. I wonder I mean, if they're asking themselves the same question. Why do we do that? <laughs> they laid a dollar short, right? Somebody's asking now, you know, and <laughs> From I have home, a real problem. They're not working anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I did a video. If you go back on my channel last year, I did a video called uh, the $600,000. I think it was the $600,000 question or the $600,000 backup uh, design. And you know, these municipalities in the, in the states that are getting ransomed. And I'm just like, what, what are you doing? Like, you know, and their answer is throw everything in the cloud. Well, just because you move it to the cloud doesn't mean it's backed up. Doesn't mean it's secured properly because, and, and so there's a whole, I don't know, there's a whole weird culture shift uh, with this whole cloud thing. It, it, maybe not even a culture shift. I don't even know what you call it really, but like, people in the C-suite get talked into moving their stuff to the cloud on the premise of, oh, we're going to be able to lay off IT people and it's going to save us so much money. And then the honeymoon period is over and they find out it costs them more. They can't lay off staff. You're still responsible for everything you were responsible for before, except you're just renting the hardware every month to do it. And I mean, so for us, like solutions like Synology, and uh, we won't talk about QNAP today because of their little, uh, stint in the news here but but like with synology it makes it so easy to have multiple versions of backups uh i mean that is a i depend so much on synology you've got no idea and you know i i've had ransomware once but because we we built the system in layers and we had backups it affected one user, it stopped at the server, and we were, by lunch, we were done. It happened at like nine o'clock in the morning, three hours later, we're recovered. 
you know? And so when I see these other municipalities, they run into that. They've got fully staffed departments, you know, 14, 15 people in their departments. They're spending, you know, their budgets are hundreds of thousands or maybe even millions of dollars a year. And I'm like, you're not testing your backups. Like that's the first thing that I do, you know, and every week our backups get tested because that's your lifeline, you know? And it's like, the other problem that I've got is with, you know, people just banking on insurance companies coming in and paying that ransom. And that, that is not the way, in my opinion, we should be handling this, you know? So, you know, anybody who gets ransomware and they can't recover, they should be answering the hard question of, well, you know, did you have a backup plan? Why didn't your backup plan work? So, right. and, and, you know, these municipalities that are running, you know, you know, one, two, three people in a department, you know, large departments, um, you know, they, they need some help, you know what I mean? And, and there's a, there's a real opportunity to help those folks. Um, and yeah, sure. If they want to move to the cloud and that's fine, they don't want their infrastructure. That's great, but they still have to have that backup plan, you know, in place. You can't just, you can't just move the infrastructure and hope it's going to be okay. So I don't know, such a weird time to think about, you know, just, how does that even happen? And then how well, do you feel good paying a $600,000 ransom? Right. I mean, with municipalities specifically, I see two issues just from the little work that I have with them. I did a project for a small town. I, I Actually, I didn't end up doing the project. I quoted out the project, never heard anything, never heard anything. It was three years ago. I got an email last week. Hey, the project was approved. <laughs> I'm like, uh, at what price? Because those prices aren't still true. It's been three right. years. And a good friend of mine was doing a quote for a bigger town in our, in our county. And it wasn't the IT department that was looking at the quotes. It was the lawyers that were looking at the quotes. And they were comparing it to the giant MSPs in town and asking, why aren't you putting in Cisco? I know Cisco. You should be putting in Cisco. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And it wasn't the IT department asking these questions. It was a bunch of suits asking uh, these questions. Well, that's and, the problem, right? They see the name, they see the brand, and they think it's the best, or they think it's this because that's the most publicly pushed information that they see. It's like you know, it's like a car going down the road. Everybody knows a Buick because they know the commercials from a Buick, or they know their grandparents that had a Buick. You know, so it's it's a lot of it. I feel like is misguided information because these people are not in our field. And don't know what to look for. And that's what I think gets a lot of people in trouble. Right. Well, and, and I got to agree with you there. And, you know, so this is my personal belief and I might take heat for this or whatever, but if you're going to be the CIO, you have better served in the trenches and understand what you're managing. You know, it, you can, you can, you can be the C-suite guy and you can help align IT and telecommunications uh, you know, with the business goals and, and you should do that, but you got to understand what you're aligning, how you're aligning it. You know, you can't just come in and be like, Oh, I'm going to get rid of three guys. Cause I don't, you know, it, you, you got to look at more than just the bottom line. And I think through this whole, this whole, whatever this 2020 thing is, I think companies are starting to realize, um, that that's, that's kind of the case, but man, when, when the, I, I feel for, for people that don't have the funding to, to do things. And so, you know, with my YouTube channel, I love putting out information on how you can do that because if you can find a video that shows you how to do the backups and then you just have to secure the hardware. If, if I help one person recover from a ransomware without paying the ransom, my job's done. Right. No, I mean, that that's huge. I mean, I, I love your videos for that exact reason. I, I've been a Unify user for 12, 13 years. I started with the Alien Green access points long, long, long time ago. And as I started diving more into edge and edge switching, edge routing, I was taking a look at your videos. I mean, I go back to when you were doing no audio videos <laughs> and just writing on the text documents of each yeah. step you were doing. Yeah, the, uh, the best thing about those videos, well, the, the, the content is still it's still relevant. Right. And, but how that all started out is I used to be super involved with the ubiquity community. And, um, 
I had a friend of mine who was a lawyer and he's like, you're really good at this stuff. You should start a business. Right. So like in 2015, when the videos start, that's when I like started, you know, consulting and, and I've learned a lot since then about perceived value and value and how to run a business, how to not run a business, how to build relationships. You, you all know exactly you've all been there. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, you know, how that all started was I was like, you know, I could type this in a forum or I could do a video and show more people how to do it. And it became like more popular than I ever thought it would be. And so you get into it and people are like, well, Hey, why don't you have a voice on here? Because I mean, if you go back and you read the comments on those videos, like, instead of like being like, good job, people are like, you suck. You don't have any audio, you know, like, so, you know, one guy's like, I spent two hours troubleshooting my computer because I couldn't hear you talking. And, and so, you know, you work through that and, you know, so then finally I was like, okay, let's add the voice. And then people are like, Hey, you know, you should, um, you should be in the video. So then I started reading about the psychology of, of actually, you know, when you're looking at a camera and you're talking to people and how they feel like you're telling them a story and you're connecting with them. So I was like, okay, let's do this, you know? And, you know, I finance all, all of this out of my own pocket, you know, and, and there became a point uh, if you look back at the videos where I really started I was like, you know, there could be something really to this consulting, you know, and when I first started doing it, I think I was only charging 60 bucks an hour. And I ran into this perceived value problem, you know, where, well, we paid this guy that we found on the internet, 60 bucks an hour. So he's so cheap that this must be his problem, you know? And, uh, I work with some pretty big realtors, like realtors that are in like the top 25 in the country. And I ran into that problem. And so now they have a special rate, you know, that's, that's not, it's a little higher than what my published rates are, but I never get that, that call of, Oh, Hey, uh, uh, you know, the, this isn't working. So it must be your network because, you know, we only paid you, you know, 90 bucks an hour. So it it's amazing how, how that goes away, but it's been a long, strange journey, but to, to go back, you know, to the Cisco comment, like Cisco is, they're smart. Like Microsoft is smart and Apple, you know, when you get kids from the dinner table, you know, at, at the very beginning. So when I was in high school back in the nineties, you know, my, uh, high school principal, I, you know, when I was 15 years old, I had the first dial up internet company in my prefix and no, nobody taught me that, you know, I figured it out myself, figured out how to make the comments. I couldn't even legally sign contracts for T1s myself. You know, my mom had to sign those. And, uh, so he, they knew that. And, you know, Cisco started this networking academy and they're like, oh, hey, you want to learn this really cool stuff. And uh, it's free because you're in high school, you know. And so we were like in the first class of the of the Cisco networking academy and they were very smart, you know, introduce us to all this gear that the, all the enterprises are using, you know, and that'll take you, you know, that old saying, you know, nobody ever got fired for buying Cisco. You know, I used to work for a, a supervisor. And I'll tell you a lot of my life experiences. I do have a bachelor's in um, uh, network and telecommunications management, but my most valuable experiences come out of working for bad, bad supervisors and bad managers. Um, You know, I learned how to treat people by learning how I didn't like to be treated. So, you know, this guy, and, and when I tell you this story is an absolute true story. I wish I was making it up. So a place I used to work, we had 27 remote sites around the country. And we started deploying a Cisco phone system. And for the core switches for a 27 site company, they put in the old, I don't know if you remember after Cisco bought Linksys, but they had some like SG500 switches, which is like the Cisco small business. Yeah. And we talk about that all the time. <laughs> so they put those in the core of this network. Well, a couple of times a week, our entire network would just go down. Well, it turns out that the, the Cisco partner was real good friends with my boss at the time. And they booked him a trip to go to Disney on their dime for putting these switches in. Right. And uh, CFO at the time ended up putting the boots to it uh, after he found out. But we had a real hard talk with the salesman, me and the other network administrator. He's like, yeah, those switches should never be core switches because they got a MAC address uh, table problem. Or once they hit so many MAC addresses, the switches freeze up. <laughs> you know, so then a Cisco inside sales engineer um, who's now started his own business, he came in and he goes, I have absolutely no idea 
who who designed this but you know we put you know at the time i think it was 3750s in and it fixed the problem and stuff like you know but like how much did we pay for that you know what i mean and and so if you look at my my social media you know my one of my taglines is you know if you think secure and secure and fast networks have to be expensive you're wrong you know let me show you this there are a lot of other vendors and a lot of other vendors don't get a fair shake because they don't have the marketing dollars and so, you know, when they can build those tribes, which Ubiquity was really good at, but the tribe, I will tell you, I have, literally have conversations every day with people who are like, I don't know what's going on over there, but we're looking at other solutions. And I think, I think for us to stay relevant and do the best, what's in the best interest of our customers, we all have to do that research and, and look at what else is out there and, you know, what else can be deployed. So, um, you know, I just, I look over and I see, you know, I've got, one, two, three, four, you know, just right here, five different brands of firewalls within, you know, an arm's reach because that's, you know, that's what we do. We, we build a lab, we test it, um, you know, and I get people that reach out all the time. Hey, you know, can you do this? And I'm like, well, if you send me one, I'll take a look at it, you know, but I mean, the market is so huge. Um, it, it's just, amazing how somebody like Cisco can still be the behemoth that they are. Right. I mean, part of it is they advertise on TV shows. They do all this. I mean, their branding is perfect. They'll drop it in the background on a random TV show, or they'll do like their WebEx web conferencing and they'll tie into whatever they need to tie into. So it's always in your mind of Cisco, 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 Cisco. And not all Cisco is the same. Um, we have a long discussions about Cisco small business. We, I've all gone back and forth with it. Um, they've they've tried to be unify s with find it, and it's not working. There's lots of issues that we've seen with the RV firewalls. Just lots of headaches that we've had within. Uh, yeah. It, so, I mean, I've got. You know, the, the RV line, it does a lot of things, I think, really well. Um, and, and you know, my media contact over there made sure that I always tell people that this is not rebranded Linksys, you know. And um, I'm That's like, all right. spot for me, Willie. <laughs> I, I know. But it, and here's the thing. So I had, you know, when I first did a video on on that Cisco small business line, I had a customer reach out to me and he was redoing his house. And we sat down and he goes, he goes, I don't want any BS from you. He says, I want to know every vendor you work with and I want to lay it out in a spreadsheet. And we're going to see, this dude paid me two hours to go over the pros and cons of every vendor that I work with. And I mean, we had we had them all on paper. Uh, Cambium, uh, uh, Linksys, D-Link. I mean, you name vendors that you would like, you would never even think about installing. Like he wanted to know, like what are the pros and cons? And he ended up selecting the Cisco small business for his house. And he's happy. He's super happy. And, you know, the thing is, the thing is, I think ubiquity had a real chance to, to make people that happy. And I've got a, a company, if they're not the largest they're the second largest sports streaming company in the United States, and they have four buses that travel the country all the time. And uh, they're having such problems, you know, everything was unified um we're i'm you know i'm having a, a conversation over the weekend or in the next couple of weeks with the uh with the ceo we put a grand stream phone system in for him and uh we're having a, a conversation about they, i mean they, they're dumping ubiquity just because of the reliability issues that they've had with this gear um and going to multiple sites and the problems with the vpns and you know why don't why don't they expose certain features you know in the in the ui and um you know, and I'll tell you, and I don't know if you all feel the same way, but um, I'll, I get probably two or three contact forms a week where people want the Unify systems to do things that you have to use a JSON file for, um, and I won't touch it. And I also tell them that that we don't do that, and that I'm, they may be able to find a vendor that'll do the custom JSON file, but I won't touch those, um, especially after we had a customer who, uh, he called me. And he's like, man, my network, just DHCP is not working right. And the switch, something else wasn't working. And I'm like, okay, so we're digging into this. And I'm 10 hours into this and he's paying me. I'm on the clock. 
I cannot find anything wrong inside the controller. Well, about a week later, he gets a hold of me. He goes, I forgot we had Ubiquity write us a custom JSON file. So Ubiquity wrote them this custom JSON file, didn't put it in the customer notes, nothing. So, so until they did all of this troubleshooting with us, they did all this troubleshooting with a JSON file uh, or with uh, Ubiquity to remember that there was a JSON file. They removed the JSON file. Everything started working properly. And ever since then, I was like, I, we will never even entertain this, you know, because it, I think you're setting yourself up to step on a landmine with that thing. So, um, and even Ubiquity won't support, they don't support them. They won't write them anymore. They'll po point you to like forum posts and stuff like that. Um, but you, if you notice with the UDM uh, line, uh, they are no longer supported at all. And that concludes part one of our conversation with Willie Howe. In part two, we further our discussion on Unify, Grandstream, Synology, and many more. If you would like to learn more about Willie, you can find him at willyhowe.com. And you can find me on Instagram at tsc.it. You can find Ray at libertasray on Instagram. And you can find Marco at enterprisecc on Instagram. If you would like to get on the podcast and sit down on our roundtable, or have a discussion about your business, you can reach me at msp at lowvoltagenation.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope this helps you carve out your career in IT.